And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadip Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Fresh off a series win. It, well, do we get to call it a series win because there was a game that was postponed? I always I struggle with this, you know, because the, you see the narrative surrounding a series is very important to me. So, I'm, you know what? We're just going to start right there. I need your guys, really, your hot opinion on whether we can call this a series win because it was, of course, a four-gamer. Game was punted to later in the season. Did, did it become a three-game series? Or do we have to wait for that game to be played to decide the outcome of this series? Go. Do the, does it retroactively become if they win? Well, which game is part of the series? It's whichever that uh, when it comes head, to the split double header. Yeah, that's true. Well, whichever one we feel like, you know, whichever one. You already answered your own <laughs> question. It was a four game series. Past tense. But we only they only played three games. Right. So it's a three game series. All right. So it previously existed. There was a universe in which it existed as a four-game series, but we have splintered off from that universe. Uh, who knows what, what happened over <laughs> yes. there? I mean, it could have been some really wild stuff over there. Uh, oh, man. just I mean, it wasn't supposed to be opening day either. And then <laughs> oh, man. the owners shut it's, down the sports. Yeah, we splintered so, off quite yeah. a while ago. That one, that one is crazy. I think we splintered off already about like, like 18 six, and seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. They landed Carlos Correa. Oh, it's just totally crazy. Uh, all right. In the universe in which we live now, in reality. We'll say that, that, o- that offer to Correa was lost in the ether of our <laughs> alternate universe. That's what happened. That's what the explanation was. The Cubs made an offer in universe A, and it splintered, and it just didn't carry forward. Everything else carried forward. That's the only difference between that universe and ours. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. Cubs did win that series, we'll say. They they have opened the season, taking two of three from the Brewers at Wrigley Field. Um, I think the results are certainly satisfactory enough. I don't think anybody can complain about those. But I think more interesting, and, and it's what we'll get into, are some of the, you know, the areas of the team that that series offered us, I think, some really interesting things to discuss. And, you know, my caution at the top, my caveat always is, three games the the samples are nothing so you, you almost i almost hate to even discuss the results of, of even individual players i just want to talk about how they looked because that's gonna you know th- that's gonna tell us more i think right now than the results and then eventually you get enough data and you can sort of start breaking down things that your eyes are lying to you about but i, I tend to think in a small sample our eyes are maybe a little better than the statistics so I figure we can start at, at any area of the 
the team, but maybe we'll start at the rotation uh, fresh off of Marcus Stroman's debut. I mean, he was certainly a bright spot yesterday in what ended up being the series finale loss, but you know, I thought he looked very just Stroman like, and, and it's kind of exactly what you wanted to see from him. And that followed two starts that I would describe in the same way. It's like, well, that's what I would hope Justin Steele would look like. That's what I would hope Kyle Hendricks would look like. So, uh, yeah, that's how I left that series as far as the starting rotation went. Just, I felt very satisfied, very satiated. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's it's hard to disagree with the results uh, that the rotation provided. I just I think said the... we're not talking about the results. <laughs> God, walking around, I can see he's walking around his house, he's carrying his computer. He's, he didn't hear anything I said. He heard rotation and he started formulating what he was going to say. It's fine, go ahead, go on. Uh, results are great. <laughs> I mean, purely looking at Kyle Hendricks, I think that's that for me was a great sign because I said last podcast that I was a little concerned. I, I just didn't. You always worry about guys like him. You, there's that little, you know, voice in the back of your head like, how can this guy survive at 88, 87 uh, all throughout? You know, like how much longer is this going to work? It, you know, I, I felt like he'd, he'd, he'd done enough over the years for me to quiet that voice. And then it kind of crept back in. Uh, to my head after last season so that was huge that that felt really big to me uh, I'm sure he'll hit a rough patch at some point uh, but to show that it still works uh, that he knows what he he pinpointed what was wrong he he worked on it all spring whether the results were there in spring don't matter right that whether they were there or not that doesn't really matter it's been proven over and over and over again that Stop overanalyzing the spring results. Guys are working on things. Uh, they're facing different types of hitters. They're not really basing things off a scouting report. That first game for Kyle Hendricks, I felt, was huge for him and for the rotation as a whole. I kind of feel like, you know, let, let Stroman, kiss, you know, just wait until he really locks in because I don't think that that's him at his best. I don't even think that was Justin Steele at his best. Uh not saying that he can't be significantly worse, uh, but I, I think I think he's going to. It's going to be interesting to watch him because I think it's going to be a pretty up and down year. I think that's just how it has to be sometimes for these younger guys, and we'll see what he is in the end. But it's it's really three games in. Uh, you know, you have to feel really good about the rotation. Uh, and for me, the big win is is Hendricks looking like Hendricks. I, the Cubs can really build off that and try and build some positivity to start the year uh, solely off Hendricks, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, when Wade Miley gets healthy, that's going to be like a trade deadline pickup. You know what I mean? Early. Early Brad, trade deadline. Early? early no, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think we all know how atrocious the Cubs pitching was last year. It just set the tone for everything that went wrong and the fact that uh, Miley, excuse me, Stroman and Hendricks are healthy and really hit the ground running, I think is a big sign. And, you know, Justin Steele has a lot of talent. He's been in the organization a long time. He's earned this shot and certainly uh, didn't do anything to dissuade kind of the optimism within the organization. So I think uh, if you're the Cubs, you'll take it. Uh, they probably needed that. Uh, it's going to be a probably – along four games in Coors Field. So 
they they took advantage, won a series, and and there's probably not much more to read into that other than Seiya Suzuki probably being the MVP, um, triple crown winner uh, for the next like five seasons. Yeah, well, let's we'll transition to talk about him. I want to drop uh, one one more plot for Kyle Hendricks. Uh, it what was particularly wonderful to see was how many ugly swings he was getting, how many Brewers hitters were completely out on their front foot on the changeup. I want to say there was more whiffs overall than he's gotten than he's gotten in a start since 2020. Um, like that was a better start than he had all of last year, you know, almost, I think the results in that one Dodger game were better, but I think the, the stuff and the, the sort of individual plate level results were better in this than any start last year. And that, man, that was heartening to see, uh, like you said, Zahadev. Uh, so yeah, Suzuki, I mean, uh, so if I can if I can just talk about Hendricks a little bit more too. Sorry, you Brett. can. It was also you can. The, we can talk about him. Most we can talk about him all podcast. Love that guy. It's, He's back. It's He's it's back, the most baby. Swing and miss. <laughs> most swing and miss on his changeup since like June or July of 2018, which that's huge as well. And and I just like I said this a lot last year, and I this is kind of what I mean. Like he. He never looked right to me last year. Even when he he had a stretch where he was starting to get good results, he didn't look like that's not peak Kyle Hendricks just yet. I feel like the opener was peak Kyle Hendricks, right? We, you know, once he's stretched out and can really pitch, uh, throw more pitches, if he can get on a run to start the season, that'd be big. It, does he carry this over to the next start? We, we have to see all that, right? Is this a really locked in stretch? That's, that's to be seen. I'm just saying we didn't see a start like this. I don't care about the results. I'm saying how he looks on the mound, how locked in he is in the mecha- with his mechanics, sequencing, all that stuff. That's as locked in as he gets. And we saw that stretch uh, in 2020 uh, where, where he really had it. But this, this, is, uh, this is – we didn't see it in 2021, even though there was a stretch of results. This, is, this was different, and I think that's, that's really what I came away with with Hendricks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, okay, so on to uh, Seiya Suzuki, which I think, you know, obviously by the the very nature of the acquisition and his transition to the United States, it was going to be a huge storyline. And I, where I want to be intellectually consistent in discussing this is if he had looked how he looked against some of the best pitching in Major League Baseball, 
this weekend and the results weren't there. You know, he was, you know, hitting the ball hard and into outs and he was, you know, some borderline calls went against him, whatever. My reaction would be the same. So I, I, I don't want to become effusive because his results were stellar this weekend. It was really just um, how he looked and how he looked to me is, I mean, he just looked like a guy who had such an incredible idea of what he was doing up there and that, you know, we had heard that his combination of zone awareness and plate discipline and power were singular in Japan right now, that he was the guy in terms of that. And I think while there was still undoubtedly be adjustments coming, I think I was left even surprised at how just chill he looked up there. Like, you know, when a guy's really locked in and that slider is coming in at that down and outside corner and it breaks off the table there's, you know, he was just like completely unbothered by that. It was just like, no, I'm not even going to, you know, start my trigger on that. You know, I'm unmoved. And that kind of, you know, that level of awareness of the strike zone and the pitches that were coming in again from these, these three of the nastiest starting pitchers in baseball. I just didn't expect to see that. And I don't know, you know, I'm trying not to reframe much of my thinking about either short or long-term with him based on that. Cause maybe, you know, he wasn't the only one, right. Who had some success against those three guys. Maybe they were just off. Um, but it was about as impressive visually as I think I could have even plausibly have expected coming into this series. So that, that was my reaction to Suzuki. Yeah, I mean, it stood out almost right away. I can't remember which plate appearance it was, but it was against Burns, and he was behind 1-2, and he takes a curveball like right below that drops right below the zone that you know a lot of hitters would have swung at. He takes a cutter right at the top of the zone, right above the zone, uh, that a lot of hitters would have swung at. And that that's it on a 1-2 count to push it to 3-2. I'm pretty sure that was a plate appearance that he eventually drew a walk. That that type of stuff stands out. That type of stuff is, you know, it may not stand out in the box score, but when you watch it, you're like, wow, that's that shouldn't happen to someone that's never faced a pitcher like that. The reigning Cy Young Award winner. Uh, it's, it's It was impressive to see his zone awareness, the swing decisions. Like, he knows what he's doing up there. Uh, they're going to be, you know, I'm sure there'll be a rough period at some point adjustments. It's not all going to be like this weekend, but he clearly has the tools that you need to succeed in this league right now. Uh, you know, scouts and, and, and front office people that talent evaluators are really looking for certain qualities and hitters right now. And he has those qualities. The best of the best have those qualities and he seems to have them as well. What stood, I, I keep having to remind myself that this is a completely different team because, it, you know, there there's going to be times when people want more power from them. They want more slugging. Uh, but it, this is not I like the first weekend. I'm not sure if it's going to be this extreme, but they don't chase. They don't swing and miss uh, against a, can I, <laughs> against three starters that they should be doing that yeah, against I, that. Everybody does that again. Can I slide in yeah. on that point? Because one thing that just just jumped off the screen at me in the Brandon Woodruff start is that first inning when it was, you know, clear that he didn't have his command. 
And I can't remember the last time I was watching that situation with a very good starting pitcher who didn't have his command and who was essentially saying, just like, just take these walks that I'm giving to you. Just take them. And not a single guy chased that entire time. And I mean, it was just a gift of runs. Let, let the guy, you know, don't let the guy off the hook, let him, let him twist. And they did. And that was just, again, you, you, you can't take too much away from one outing like that. But like, like I said, I, I watch a lot of this team. I can't remember the last time there was just no one at bat mixed in there where it was like, ah, oh, come on. And, you know, we could probably offer some thoughts on why the, what the difference is, you know, in the lineup now versus the last several years. But it was, boy, it was, it jumped, it jumped out to me. Yeah. And the, the lack of chase that they've, they've talked about this, right? You don't need to make things happen. Don't try and be the one that has to make things happen. Right. I talked to Jason Hayward about it, uh, Saturday after the game. And the funny thing is, I've heard them say this before, right? It's like, trust the guy behind you, pass the baton. They've had stretches like this, so you can't get carried away by three games. But it was nice to see that they can do it, A. It's good to start the season like that, B. Like, th- those two things, I think, are big for them. They, they they need to know that they can do it and kind of get off to a good start. Build that confidence up early. So it's it's good to see that they know how to do it against the best of the best. You're not going to face three pitchers in a row like that in a series very often. So uh, all these caveats apply, right? Who knows? Maybe maybe Woodruff and Burns are having off years. Maybe that those maybe that was the one weekend where those three guys are going to have off ga- days, and the rest of the season the Brewers are just going to shove it down the Cubs' offense throat, right? Uh, there's so many different things that could happen the rest of the way, but it was just that of all the things that happened, uh, Hendrick stood out to me and, and that, that offense, the way the offense as a whole really stood out to me. I, those are the two things that I came away with from this weekend where I'm like, Hmm, going to be watching that for, for the next few weeks. See if they, that those things keep happening. The offense, if it's a different offense like this, they're going to be able to score in different ways. There's going to be times where they don't get the runs in because they just don't have enough slug overall, but they're going to, even yesterday when they lost, they wore down Peralta. It was four innings, right? For Peralta. Is that right? I mean, all these guys were, were done after four or five innings. I mean, they maybe pitched a fifth, but they were gassed in that fifth. It was they they don't they haven't done that for a long time uh and they've had stretches like this so we can't get too crazy about it but let's see if they can keep it up and they have a you know it's Pittsburgh and Colorado all the more chance to to get off to a good start here if if they can really you know keep this momentum going what were like the the nerd stats that bothered Ross last year as he was kind of like making lineup decisions and there were kind of a group of players like Kind of saying, oh, I'm hitting it to bad luck, and I'm trusting my process. Like, yeah, there's been a lot of that. And stuff yeah, like that. yeah, like <laughs> just look at my ex woba. Like, I think it's okay to like focus on results. Like, I'm kind of tired of the Cubs talking about the process, the process, the process. Like, you give a dude 85 million dollars before his first major league at bat, he better be a really good hitter. And Suzuki showed that everything in his track record, like. What's the hot if saying? Like, what front offices and coaching staffs value now? Like, he has it. We saw it. And I think between him and Stroman yesterday, like, 
you know, the Cubs front office when they were up in their suite hanging out with Billy Williams probably felt pretty good, even though they, they lost yesterday. Yeah, I think um, it would have been very hard to be a, a, well, not neutral evaluator, but even an interested evaluator and look at that series as a whole and not be like, oh, all right, good, good start. I think the loss yesterday and, and what led to the loss, uh, I think is probably the one bit that you you might give a side eye to, and that's bullpen related stuff. And, you know, I got to tell you, I'm, and I'm not, I don't think I'm being a homer on this front. It's just, it's something we've talked about a lot. Over the last decade, the Cubs have found a quality bullpen mix every single year. Now, sometimes they've got it more out of the gate. Sometimes it takes the April and May period to, to figure out optimal roles, to get guys working uh, the right pitch mix to, you know, whatever it is. Um, and you, in that period of time, are sometimes going to have some rough innings as these things are being figured out. And, uh, you know, organically, this year in particular, uh, with rosters shrinking back down at the end of April, with Wade Miley coming back, with Alec Mills coming back, with the the construction of the roster is, is just naturally going to change over the next month. These decisions are going to have to come sooner. And so I don't know. I, I look at yesterday. It sucked to lose the game, but, you know, there was information there. And I'm not trying to put it all on Jesse Chavez and be like, oh, well, he's, you know, he's washed. Kick him out. It's more like just that's going to happen sometime. You know, it's there, there are 10 bullpen arms to explore right now and you're you're going to get that information and sometimes getting that information is going to lead to some, you know, tough results. And so. Basically, the point there is I left the series feeling uh, neutral about the bullpen. You know, I, I just I felt like, OK, yep, that's just how it's going to go for a while. And, and it, let, let's let's see that for several more series. And then we can start to be like, oh, you know, who's really maximizing his stuff right now? Or, oh, you know, who's really been good at coming into, uh, you know, messy situations or, you know, who you know, et cetera, et cetera. And. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't have that for that reason. I don't have a lot to conclude other than to say David Robertson looks pretty darn good. Like he looks like, oh, he, he, we heard this in the off season, you know, when the Cubs were targeting him, uh, I think you guys wrote about it. Maybe that like they, the Cubs saw something late last year where they were like, oh, he, he may have discovered something getting that cutter back. Um, I don't know, two outings. And I'm like, yeah, he looks good. Yeah, it's always funny when you're when you're watching a game on TV versus when you're watching it from the press box. Because I, it, some, yesterday's game, I, I watched on TV, and I could see it better with Robertson compared to watching it from the press box. I was like, oh yeah, that that's pretty good stuff. I see what people were talking about from from the opener. Uh, it it looks good. There there's so much. I but what your point of we. Ross needs to spend the it's so funny like different Aprils you just need to try and figure out who you have where they fit and that's really I think his biggest challenge he's got a couple more weeks he's got there they're gonna have some tough decisions it's gonna happen all across the league really but uh, teams are gonna have difficult decisions they're gonna have to get down to 13 and 13 uh, it, it it won't be easy but they're, they're probably going to be some hard decisions to make or maybe it will be easy maybe you just option the guys that have options and, and you you need another couple weeks to figure out what the veterans can do but uh i you can't take too much away from one jesse chavez outing 
these next few weeks will be huge to determine the bullpen. Uh, if any of that matters, right? We'll see if this team can keep <laughs> can keep afloat. Uh, if if the bullpen isn't sinking them, then then that'll that that should you know that should bode well. You would you would hope. Uh, so it, it is inter- it will be interesting to see what type of situations Ross brings different pitchers into and how they how they do is going to be critical for May and beyond because. It could mean jobs for guys, and I'm not sure that that's not always true in April, right? You you have a rough April, uh, it's fine. You have five more months to figure it out. That's not going to be the case this year. So, so I'm I'm curious to see how he uses guys, when he puts guys in situations, and how much we have to weigh each situation, uh, because we're in this kind of like time crunch. Yes, Ad, if you alluded to it, it was one of the kind of subtle points that Jed made on opening day that. If every team has to go from 28 to 26 by May 2nd, is that it? So I think that's right. You know the Cubs are going to be looking at that time to add, and that might not be uh, for to pay immediate dividends. It's however they're looking at kind of the 40-man roster and where those opportunities and diamonds in the rough could potentially be. So there's, I don't think it's about Jesse Chavez per se. He's had a great career uh he has a lot of trust uh has built up a lot of trust with the coaching staff i think he pitched in the world series last year but uh and he has that kind of flexibility as a hybrid pitcher to help in what's going to be an unusual season but yeah no doubt the cubs will be evaluating very closely and you know you guys have both mentioned this before like ross does seem to have a knack for that of figuring out what he has um faster than maybe Joe Madden. That might not be a fair comparison, but it did feel like there was that, you know, brutal April a couple of years ago where the Cubs went to Milwaukee and like whacked like two pitchers. They totally like remade their bullpen after like one or two series. And I think they're not quite there yet, but I think they'll have a, an itchy uh, trigger finger on that one. Yeah. Itchier than usual. I mean, you just have to. And I think that's a fantastic point, Patrick, about, the fact that every organization is going to have to squeeze back down, it's almost going to create another end of spring training crunch like we're used to seeing where the waiver wire gets flooded. And uh, there, there, we, we, there's also opt outs, man. Every every built into the new CBA, every veteran minor, every veteran player who got a minor league deal now has, I think, three standard opt outs built in that will be triggering throughout this period. So it could be an uncommonly robust opportunity for an organization like the Cubs who are, as like you said, Jed has reiterated time and time again, like they're looking forward, you know, they want to win this year. Yes, but they're eyeing the long term, And so it may be a situation where someone becomes available and it's like, well, you know, if we hang on to this guy, he might help us more in the next couple months, but this is a guy we've been wanting for a while. We think we can develop him for next year and someone gets squeezed out for that reason. So it's, I mean, that's, and that's irrespective of all the guys coming back. And I mean, so yeah, boy, I hadn't, you're, you're jazzing me up a little bit because well, for one thing, I like those fringe transactions. <laughs> I get really geeked about those, but I, um, I just hadn't thought about the, the layers of squeeze that are coming and how that, um, that is going to necessitate some really quick decisions by the organization. And they're not all going to look good, by the way. 
like, uh, you know, some of them is the Cubs might be on the other side of some of those situations where they let somebody go because it's like, well, we used the best information we could at the time. And then suddenly a guy you dumped is uh, pitching in a playoff bullpen later this year. And it's just, you know, that's going to be the reality of the situation for a lot of organizations. Uh, the Cubs now will head to Pittsburgh for a couple and then they will head out to Colorado for four, which, you know, I want to remind folks, and this might be especially true early in the season as guys are sort of still ramping up their conditioning. The Rockies for several years running now, even as their team has been bad, have been stellar in Colorado. They have been, I think I want to say, was it last year that they set the record for the largest disparity between home record and road record. It's something like that. I'm misstating it, but it's, it's some version of that where they were like the most extremely great team at home and most extremely hilariously bad team on the road. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a similar roster this year with, with perhaps one very notable new face on the Rockies, but they, you know, they just beat the, they just beat the Dodgers. I, I don't know if you guys, did you guys see, uh, this this will sound so like um, uh, what's what's it when you're like your your ex leaves and you're like uh, taking shots. It's not that, but did you see the Chris Bryant play in left field? Uh, so it was a two out bases loaded, two out fly ball, pretty routine to left field, and it was a total Brant Brown situation. Just oh no, just a, I totally missed yeah, that. Just a drop. All three runs scored. Uh, the, you know, thankfully for them, the the Rockies still managed to win the game, but it was like. I mean, it's that's about as bad as an error can get, right? Three three run dropped fly ball. Um, so you know, hey, save some of that for the Cubs, Chris. <laughs> any any last bits you guys want to drop before we uh, head on out? I uh, just that uh, we were talking about Jesse Chavez, and it, it, like just want to point out how much the Cubs value him, not just as a pitcher, but as a as a veteran presence in that bullpen as well. So I, I don't want it to come across like he's on notice because of one bad outing. Like they, I think he'd have to do a lot. It would have to be that at pretty much every outing for them to consider uh, moving on from him. They really like what they love that veteran presence in the bullpen. They have young arms coming. They have young arms in there. They want people like Jesse Chavez to kind of show those kids the ropes. Uh, they, they like guys like that in there. And he's a guy that, consistently gets mentioned uh as as someone that stands out that helps others and and really uh provides that veteran presence that i think they need as a whole right Uh, but you also you don't want to overvalue it uh to a degree but i think it's 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 something that chavez uh definitely brings and and you can confidently say that that's that's something that they value there with jesse chavez it's 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 good to be back doing the pod. I thought that uh, the last episode, I you know, I, I I felt good. I felt like we were starting to hit our rhythm. We had a good series too, guys, and uh, we appreciate all you folks listening. This is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at the Athletic. And we will be back at you later this week, uh, deep in the throes of the second and third series for the Cubs. So appreciate you listening. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your mom, and we uh, will talk to you soon. Take care.